I'm Iris First, and welcome to my podcast, Really Is That The Way You See Me? This podcast focuses on opening up the blind spots in your relationships, never forgetting the most important one, which is the relationship that you have with yourself. The opening of these blind spots is proportionate to your willingness to view the world from a different lens, and from that lens, then seeing what is possible. Satisfying and fulfilling relationships are available to you without changing anyone else, but rather opening up your perspective. I love this quote by the Buddha, when all is understood, all is forgiven. So let's begin to uncover some of the things that are hidden from our view in our relationships and with ourselves. Hi, and welcome to episode two, part two of defining the ego and the mischief it causes in your relationships. In today's episode, we will continue to uncover the unconscious ways in which the ego impacts our relationships. I will be addressing how misunderstanding can lead to the feeling of disconnection and ways in which you can establish connection or reconnection. But first, I'd like to recap a few points. From last episode, we established the following. We all have an ego and a certain level of narcissism, and that is normal. And when our ego sensitivity, also known as narcissistic wounds, become inflamed, we get into trouble in our relationships. In last episode, I also presented a question for you to ponder. My question was, if what we desire most is to feel connected to others, then why do many relationships end up with the feeling of disconnection, leading to breakups, divorce, and cutting off from someone you love? I also proposed last week that the culprit is misunderstanding. If you think about it, most conflicts begin with some kind of upset and need that is not being met. Once this happens, your mind becomes to make up a story to manage those uncomfortable feelings that arise during that upset. What I have found to ignite the spark in most conflicts is misunderstanding. The way it generally goes is that something is said or done and it evokes uncomfortable feelings. And then you start interpreting the event by adding your own spin on the whole interaction. Once this occurs, you start internally or externally reacting to your interpretation of what you believe they had said or done, as opposed to what they were actually saying, needing, or intending. And then immediately, your ego gets inflamed and goes into some kind of self-protection mode. And of course, this happens automatically and unconsciously. Now, you may ask, why does our ego do this? Here are two reasons that I have found to be true. But of course, this is a simplified version. The first is that the ego and nervous system is always scanning for perceived danger. And this perceived danger can be the belief such as you're going to hurt me or abandon me or humiliate me. And secondly, the ego can create the worst case scenario as a form of self-protection and of not getting sucker punched. And for those of you not familiar with this term, it means being taken by surprise. Here is an example of this. Let's say you're having a discussion with your significant other, friend or family member, and you would like to spend time with them. So you invite them to get together and their response is, no, I can't, I'm too busy or I don't really feel up, up to it, or a myriad of other responses that mean no to your invitation. 
When this happens, the ego and its narcissistic womb become irritated and interpret it as some kind of personal rejection. And then your mind starts adding meaning to their response as a way of managing your feelings of hurt and disappointment. And unfortunately, the things that our minds make up are not the most empowering stories. Furthermore, instead of creating a greater sense of connection, love and affinity, it creates disconnection, resignation, and despair. I refer to these made up interpretations as the demon monologues because they happen in your own head with yourself. They could sound something like, they don't care about me. They don't care about my needs. They're so selfish. It used to be different because they wanted to spend time with me. Boy, I must be slipping down the totem pole and no longer important to them. Or another reaction can be, this relationship isn't working for me anymore. Maybe I need to find someone else who loves and appreciates spending time with me. And then the mind starts collecting evidence of why you are right about your interpretation. Sound familiar? I have found that many affairs occur due to the lack of understanding and unmet, unmet needs. I frequently say that the affair is not the problem, but rather the symptom of someone's needs not getting met. In addition to their idealized belief that someone else out there will do a better job in fulfilling your needs. Also, please understand, I am not condoning or justifying infidelities, but rather focusing on the core of the problem. And most certainly, I know how painful the feeling of betrayal is, which is another topic related to establishing trust and safety in your relationships. Now, getting back to the demon monologues. The underlying problem here is not that you have those thoughts or demon monologues, but rather that you actually believe them to be true. And the moment you do, boom, the connection is broken. The feelings of hurt, disappointment, and anger start flooding in. Now, at this point, we generally are so emotionally hijacked that we don't bother to reality check with the other person and find out what is actually going on for them. Nor do we communicate our disappointment in a clean way, but rather from our pain and reactivity. As I have mentioned in last week's episode, the way in which one responds to this is strongly influenced by the ego and its unique default line of defense, which is based on one's individual personality operating system, plus the level of awareness, which you can read more about on my website, which is relations-coach.com. That's relations with an S hyphen or dash coach.com. It is common that when someone perceives an answer of no to a request or invitation, they interpret it as some form of rejection. When feeling rejected, some will react by cutting off or withdrawing or silently punishing the other in ways that resemble stonewalling while continuously feeding the demon monologues. Or others will verbally lash out at the other by blaming, criticizing, and shaming them. Or some may internalize the perceived rejection and become sad, hurt, and depressed, believing that there is some part of them that is insufficient, which is why the other declined the invitation in the first place. I want you to notice that these thoughts or stories that we construct do not generally lead to a greater level of connection. 
And unfortunately, this mechanism happens so quickly and automatically. And also, if the demon monologues occur on a regular basis, then it will seem to you as if what the mind is saying is the truth. This is how the ego begins creating mischief in your relationships due to its interpretations and misunderstanding and then believing it. Once this happens, what can you do to avoid continuing going down the spiral of disconnection, resignation, and hopelessness? First and foremost, I want to assert that anytime we are reactive to anything, besides a true life and death situation, we are going into the fight or flight response, which in life and death is appropriate. But if we are doing this from any other situation, it is an indicator or a red flag that we are disconnected from our higher selves and the executive functioning part of our brain. This part of our brain is located in the frontal lobes and is referred to as the adult brain. And this adult brain is the part of us that has access to discernment. The other thing I'm asserting is that our reactive behavior is not generally caused by what another has said or done, but rather our interpretation to what was said or done. Another example of this is let's say your child, partner, or parent, or friend calls you stupid and you personalize it, which most of us automatically do. You can make it mean that they don't respect or care about you or your feelings. And then you become angry, hurt, or both. But what if you were able to hear the word stupid as if it were just that they had a need or maybe an idealized version of how they thought something was supposed to be. And they were experiencing anxiety and disappointment. What if you realized in that moment that they didn't have the self-awareness tools or practices in place to self-soothe those feelings and identify them and communicate their needs and feelings in a cleaner way? So they just acted out impulsively. If you had that perspective, do you think that might make a difference and assist you not to default to your demon monologues? In these or similar situation, what generally occurs is that both parties go into the reactive part of their brain called the amygdala or toddler brain and start acting out just like a toddler. And we all know you can't reason with a toddler, especially during a tantrum. In an ideal world, we would and could identify our needs and communicate our needs and disappointments in a clean and clear manner without acting out towards the other. But like I said, this reactivity is a default automatic behavior and can only be altered by the willingness, practice, and commitment to catch yourself in the act. So here are a few suggestions and practices that you could begin with to increase your ability to self-soothe and ground yourself to communicate clearly and effectively during an upset. First, you must be present enough to distinguish that you are upset or in a state of inflammation. Once you are aware of this, take three or more slow and deep breaths with full exhalations while bringing your awareness to your breath and body. This will slow down your nervous system and allows you to access more useful insight about what has triggered you. Second, tag or label the feeling or emotion, 
like I am sad, hurt, or disappointed. The temptation of the ego is to jump into blaming something outside of itself for causing the upset, like the other person or the situation, but don't. Instead, try to identify which of your needs were not met. A red flag that you are shifting to blame is when you say to yourself or another, I am upset because so-and-so hurt me. You are now focusing outside of yourself in which you have no control. The word because can be translated to being the cause. If someone else is responsible for your feelings, then that makes you the victim and the other person or the circumstance the perpetrator. And therefore, as a victim, you have no power because you can never change anyone else, only your perspective. Also, remember that this work and journey is about focusing on what you do have control of, not what you don't, which is another. An example of focusing on your own needs can be communicated in the following manner. When you said no to my invitation of spending time together, I felt sad and disappointed because I have a need for connection and spending time with you. This is an example of a nonviolent communication technique that I use when working with clients. It teaches them how to communicate from compassion as opposed to blame, shame, and reactivity. In future episodes, I will go more into depth using the work of Dr. Marshall Rosenberg and nonviolent communication. But for now, here are some tips and practices. One, practice identifying and tagging your own feelings. Two, distinguish your own needs. Three, communicate to others without blame, shame, or criticism. And by communicating in this way, you create a safe space for the other to hear your hurt and disappointment. This can increase the likelihood of greater connection, which is ultimately what you want anyway, right? And remember why you are doing this, which is to create healthy and new default habits towards connection, understanding, and compassion. I understand for many of you, being this honest can feel very vulnerable. And yet without vulnerability, true intimacy and connection are not possible. In the previous episode, I said that one definition of intimacy is into me see. And isn't that what you truly desire from your relationships? Now, I must touch upon one more point, which I believe to be crucial in relationships and to this topic. And that is making requests versus demands. First, I am going to make a simple distinction between a request and a demand. A request is when you ask somebody to do something and it is safe for them to say yes or no. A demand is asking someone to do something and it is not safe for them to say no. What I mean by not safe is you received a response to a request that is some version of no, and then you become reactive towards them by either shutting down or becoming silently punishing or shouting or bellowing with your voice or shaming, blaming, criticizing them, or maybe even trying to force an outcome for them to do what you want them to do. Unfortunately, all of these behaviors lead to further disconnection. 
So now let's go back to the previous example of wanting to spend time with someone who is important to you. You ask them to have dinner with you tonight and they respond some kind of version of no, I can't, I'm busy, I'm too tired, or I just don't feel like it. If this is truly a request, even though you may be disappointed, you will not act out against them or yourself. But if this is a demand, and even if you ask sweetly, when you hear the word no, your response will induce some version of reactivity, either externally or internally, leading to demon monologues. So if it's really a request, you give the other grace to answer freely, either yes or no, without any reactivity or need to punish them. This allows for other options to be presented. For example, I am disappointed that you are not available tonight. And I'm wondering if there are other times that can work for you. The answer may still be no, but at least you explored your options and didn't create more drama and damage. With a demand, some kind of reactive behavior usually follows. This reactivity generally kills off other options in that moment, or the other person will acquiesce to what you are requesting and then become angry and resentful which is sometimes even worse. And I can't stress enough that you never want someone to do anything they really don't want to do and cannot do with an open and clean heart. In my experience as a relations coach, the real killer of connection and intimacy in relationships is when anger and resentment set in. Then the demon monologues get activated and we actually believe them. And at the core of those monologues is usually a belief and or fear that the other does not care about your needs, feelings, and ultimately you. Now, how could you prevent this from happening? I will answer this by giving you a short tale about an American Indian grandfather and his grandson. They were sitting in the woods and grandson posed a question to his grandfather. He said, grandfather, why was evil or bad things ever created. And the grandfather said, grandson, inside of each one of us lives two wolves. One wolf feeds off a hate, fear, judgments, and complaints. And the other wolf feeds off a love, compassion, kindness, understanding, and caring. These two wolves are always fighting within us. The grandson then asked, which one wins grandfather? And the grandfather replied, whichever one you feed. I always love this anecdote because it focuses on what I believe to be a universal truth, which is in each moment of now, we all have a choice. But first, we must be present and aware enough in that moment to see that we have the choice and then ask ourselves the question, which wolf do I want to feed? But first, we must be present and aware enough in that moment to see that we have that choice. And then ask yourself the question, which wolf will I feed? I believe that our habitual ways of being are neurologically wired in our default operating system. And maybe even so is the wolf that we feed. And I also believe and have verified for myself that nothing trumps self-awareness, practice, and consistency. If we are committed to increase our self-awareness, then we can consciously choose to feed the other wolf. 
thus creating a new neurological pathway and habit that allows us to hold on to ourselves in the face of any situation. In the beginning, it will feel like a salmon swimming upstream against the current. Maybe a more accurate description is like being a human swimming upstream against the current. And eventually you become like a salmon where navigating through the inertia is just what you do and it becomes normal. So the good news is not only is there hope and possibilities available to you in your new relationships, it is also available for you in your current ones. But here's the price of admission. You must stop trying to change the other and focus on new and empowering ways to stay related and connected to them. And of course, practice, practice, practice. Before concluding this episode, here is a recap. One, the ego and nervous system are always scanning for perceived danger. Two, believing the demon monologues only leads to more of what you don't want, which is disconnection. Three, if a greater connection is what you seek, even during an upset, you must first self-soothe by taking a few deep breaths and calming down your nervous system. Four, learn and practice to communicate cleanly about your upset feelings, and needs. Five, communicate to others without shame, blame, or criticism. Creating new and healthier default pathways are within your reach. And remember, you always have a choice in the moment of which wolf you will feed. If you are interested in learning more about communicating in ways that create connection, feel free to contact me either by email or phone. If you have any further questions, you can reach me by visiting my website, relations-coach.com. And remember, don't forget the S and the dash. You can also email your questions to iris at relations-coach.com. Also, please feel free to take advantage of my Enneagram personality trifecta test and take advantage of the complimentary 15-minute consultation to either briefly discuss your results or you could use it if you're struggling with any personal or relational issue and see if our working together is the right fit for you. To receive my not so monthly blogs, upcoming workshops and specials, please join my email list, which you'll find on my website. And most importantly, I wanna take a moment to thank you for creating the time in your day to listen to this podcast. It is my pleasure and honor to be a conduit that can lead to happy, loving, and fulfilling relationships. I look forward to connecting with you and catching you on our next show. Bye for now. Oh,